0: Thank you for uh, your word. Thank you that we have it in our own language. And thank you that we have the uh, promise of uh, your own spirit here to teach us. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So
1: I'm going to stop you real fast. I'm going to mute everybody, but that means you need to unmute yourself once I do it, okay? Okay. There's a bunch of people that are unmuted. All right. Go ahead and unmute yourself. And go ahead.
0: It looks like I'm unmuted. Okay. So I'm going to begin reading in Acts chapter 20. And starting at verse 17, Paul had arrived at the port port town of Miletus. And uh, from there he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. Now I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound to in the Spirit to Jerusalem and not knowing uh, the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that, Chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord, from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you are Uh, you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will not see my face, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, uh, speaking perverse things, and draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. And I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to to receive. I'm going to stop there. And um, <clears throat> a few more have joined us. We we prayed and we started reading the scriptures, and we're in Acts chapter 20. And it, hopefully you have some questions before you, um, and we will have discussion, I hope, as well. Uh, the first uh, discussion question we have is, to compare the terms used in Acts chapter 20 with those used in 1 Peter chapter 5 to
2: describe the leaders in the church. Who wants to jump in? Okay, nobody's jumping in,
0: so (laughs) I guess I'm elected You will notice that if you look carefully, that they are the same three terms that were used in 1 Peter to describe the leadership of the church. And that is calling them elders. We see in verse 17 of Acts chapter 20, the use of the word elder. And we see also in verse 28, we see the use of the word overseers and the overseers are to shepherd the church of God. So those are the same words that we actually saw in 1 uh, Peter chapter 5 uh, to describe the uh, work of the leaders of the church. And It's perhaps true that uh, they, those are not all three technically to be considered uh, titles, for uh, the leaders of the church, often we talk about elders in in our assemblies, we don't often talk about overseers. We very seldom use the term bishop," which you will find if in there if you were reading the king james and Bishop is a word that uh, was actually uh, hardly changed from one language to another, but it was changed uh, through five languages from uh, the uh, Greek, episkopos, down to bishop, and bishop uh, is derived directly from that. Unfortunately, uh, the word bishop was, has been taken by the church and then applied to a level of hierarchy within the organized church uh so i try to stray away from titles um and i think uh, that the scriptures tell us to be careful of titles we're to call no man teacher although uh teacher is a uh spiritual gift and uh, but we are not to call men teachers we're not to call them uh rabbi um so we, we're we not to call men father. But all of those terms, of course, are used by different uh, churches. But we, we want to stay away, if possible, from uh, titles. Be, there are a couple of problems with titles. But uh, one of the problems with titles, of course, is that people then look at uh, at their... Uh, position that that they have in the church and as Clay has talked about we uh, should not look at the position but rather at the the function or the work of the men who are leaders in the church so I'm going to ask the second question and hopefully there will be somebody who will um, step forward what what uh, preposition is used in Acts uh, ch- chapter 20, verse 28, and also in First Peter 5, verses 1 and 2, to describe the place of leaders with respect to the believers
2: or the flock? Feed them. Say here.
0: again? Feed them. That's not a preposition, though, is it? Um, no, I was, I was, I was. I'm very simple-minded here, and I was just looking for, for uh, a simple preposition that is found. Uh, where, where are the elders with respect to the flock?
3: And they are, always, they are always serving the they're flock.
0: They're always serving, but I was, I was actually, maybe this is too obscure, but I was looking for the word among, which tells us a great deal about the elders of the church. The elders of the church are not above the flock. They are among the flock, or they are in the flock. They're within the flock. And uh, they are they're not to elevate themselves uh, above the flock, and neither is neither are the believers to elevate those uh, men. They uh, will be looking uh, during other studies, we'll be looking at the fact that uh, elders or leaders should be obeyed, and uh, um, they should be respected. But they are still, it is still recognized that they are among the flock and they don't, because of title or because of, they don't have a position that places them in some sort of a hierarchy above the members of the church. Leaders are among the flock. And you see that in verse 28. And I don't know what, if, uh, if every one of your versions has, has that term there. But uh, take heed to yourselves and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Among was the point I was trying to get at there. And I think it has very important application for us to remember not to elevate, Uh, for elders not to elevate themselves and for the flock not to uh, think that uh, the elders are elevated above them.
1: I think that's a really good point. Uh, Kind of just looking at my experiences and like some people like Clay has talked about elders in the past that have been kind of out of control or something, but I really think that a flock has a responsibility to keep the elders accountable as much as the elders have a responsibility to keep each other accountable. So like, exactly like you said, lifting them up and giving them a position um, is not what we're to do. And we're to guard against that. Cause I think that just creates pride in the long run.
0: It does. There is a great problem of pride, of course, for all of us. It's a problem that we have
1: yeah, so just having elders doesn't like relieve the flock from any duties, I guess.
0: That's correct. And the gifts that are given uh, to those uh, to different members of of the body are to uh, equip everyone for the ministry. Uh, The ministry does not belong to the leadership ministry belongs to the entire flock and the entire flock is to be involved in ministry and equipped by those who are able to equip them. Um, Now the next question uh, is uh, how does a man become a leader in the local church and I failed to put down the reference here and I was looking in that same verse Uh, In chapter 20, verse 28, how does a man become a leader?
4: He's appointed by the Holy Spirit.
0: It's the Holy Spirit that makes that man. And 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 actually, that uh, literal interpretation of that is that he is placed within the flock as a leader. He... um, and he, he is he is not placed above, but he is
1: placed in. So, today, like in, in like nuts and bolts, how does that look? Like I understand, like Paul might have appointed elders in churches back then, but today, for us, how how does that look?
0: What that what that looks like is the fact that. Um, The Holy Spirit works in men's heart. Uh, The initiative is taken by God to work in men. And then men respond to the Holy Spirit working in their lives. And uh, their response is that they uh, begin to do the things that uh, leaders ought to do within the church. And I think that's one of the reasons why Clay really wanted to talk about what elders do first, because we need to be seeing, before before we look at the qualifications of elders, we, we need to look at what elders do. And uh, we do not wait for elders to be found qualified and then appointed by someone uh, and then they begin doing the work. But the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. They're doing the work of an elder. And then the um, body recognizes that those men are doing that work. And, uh, and I, when, I, when I use that term recognize, I don't use it in any technical sense whatsoever. That means I see men doing elder work. And so I know they're elders, and uh, at some point um, we uh, have some sort of a installation ceremony that, uh, so that because everybody recognizes they're an elder and they're officially uh, in that in that place. That's my view, and I believe it is Clay's view as well, and I think. uh, it's scriptural. So that, does that answer your question, Matt, in terms of how that looks today? We see men doing elder work, and we know they are the elders. And uh,
1: Yeah, I would agree uh, 100%. Um, and I agree with, like, Scripture would point that out. I guess maybe my question is, is, like, the purpose of these Bible studies is, for us at Palms here to, you know, consider recognizing elders. So maybe it's a discussion that we need to have at a different time. But how? What is that? No, I think that look. Okay, like? I,
0: that I see what you're saying is, and and that's the reason why we began with talking about what elders do, because we should be looking around at what men among us are doing these things that we're talking about, and what men have these kinds of character qualities that we are talking about then we will um, my own view is that it it just becomes so obvious or it should be obvious to spiritual Christians that that uh, those are the leaders in the church when you see them doing the work and you and you know they're qualified Do we have a different opinion from anybody? Do we have a rebuttal or?
3: (laughs) Hi Ray, it's Matt here. Hi. uh, Hey. Hi. Um, No, I I, I want to um, echo like really everything you said. I think you nailed it. And uh, I don't think being an elder is someone maybe vocalizing their desire to be an elder. Uh, It's someone that is living and breathing what an elder does right every day of their life, whether they're in the light and the spotlight or behind the scenes. And the assembly as a whole sees that as a spirit of God is working with them. And then it's identified and that takes time. Right. And uh,
0: yes.
3: I think all of us can relate to maybe over or elders that we've known that are maybe titled, but there's always someone in the assembly that is a true shepherd yes. and uh, they, they might not have that title. So it's really just, I always say to people, you hear someone say, I want to be an elder. I always say, well, just do the work.
0: That's correct.
3: And then I was going to say recognize. the same
0: thing. Yeah. Just,
3: just do it. Yeah,
0: Do it. Do it. And, uh, and the people will recognize that you're doing it. If somebody has the desire for the work, there's nothing to stop you. Just start doing it. That's right. Start uh, visiting people and start uh, start a Bible study or... M- study the word and get yourself ready to uh, fill in the, in the pulpit whenever uh, there's an opening.
5: Yep. Um, Can I jump in there? Um, yes.
0: Jump in there.
5: I, I agree with what you're saying. It's just that you also said earlier, the whole flock should be doing all these things. Yes. And so you're going to have people who are out there serving and, um, and they, they, um, may not meet the qualifications of an elder, you know? So, yeah. it, yes, it's everybody's just gonna do the work, but there's also, I, where, there's, where there's responsibilities and where there are qualifications, there is always examination, and that's what happens. You have to, you then you, you, you what we have done in the past in the different elder boards I've been on is that we, we come up with a name and we all look at him, and like you say, Ray, he, he's doing so many wonderful things but we do present him before the church. And we say to the whole church, uh, we are considering brother so-and-so. And and, uh, if you have anything you'd like to say about him, please let one of the elders know or with us. And, and uh, because he, he may not meet some of the qualifications and, uh, you know, he can still be out there serving. So it's a matter of doing the work. It's a matter of being qualified at the same time.
0: It is. And, uh, uh, the the qualify, yeah the qualifications go along with the man who does the work now um, I, I studied with a man named Paul Sapp some years ago I don't know Jeff if you ever met Paul Sapp yes but I, but uh, I, Paul yeah. yeah and Paul had a had a great diagram of the church because so many churches will have these diagrams were up at the top. You've got the they got maybe the pastor is here, and under him are the elders, and then uh, you've got the the deacons, and and then you've got the lowly people in the pews down here. And he had just a picture of a a group of people, and uh, and if you look at my fingers right now, and we're going in this direction. Who's leading these people over here? Okay, it becomes obvious. Everybody's everybody's working, but the people that are out in the lead, because we're going this direction, those are the leaders, and that's how you that's how you know who's who's a leader as well as uh, they need to have the qualifications. But many times we get the cart before the horse. And we start looking for we we want to have elders in our assembly, and we begin looking at all the, all of the qualifications for the elders, and we and uh, then we're trying to decide who's qualified. Nobody's doing the work, but we 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 just we struggle because uh, nobody's nobody's leading, and everybody is waiting. <laughs> for that to happen. When I think that every one of us has gifts, we're gifted by the Holy Spirit, and we uh, should be following the leading of the Holy Spirit in the use of our gift. And if, if we are individually following what the Lord wants us to do, hey, maybe the Lord just wants me to get to, to prepare the elements for communion every week. and that's that's what he wants me to do. and uh, and and that's and that's what I do. And so you would you would not think of me then as somebody who would be doing the work of an elder because uh, I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. I'm, I'm following the Lord's leading, and I might be gifted in certain areas, but that's as far as I'm going and so we we need to we need to look for men who are actually doing the work and and it, it, we will be talking about the qualifications shortly, but uh, we wanted to talk about the work before we got to the qualifications um, Is that understandable Um, okay the next question is uh, in verse uh, 28 there what does the word therefore to what does the word therefore refer and maybe this is one of my obscure questions it's hard for you to figure out but uh, I was taught that whenever there's a therefore we need to figure out what the therefore is there for
4: is that the first word in the verse? My version doesn't have it. Your oh, yours doesn't have it. Yours has. Mine says be on guard. Oh, okay. In verse twenty twenty eight, right? Yes. Okay. Mine just says be on guard for yourselves.
0: Okay. And uh, and I have a therefore there, so that's how I got the question. And whenever we see that, we we look back and we see, on what is uh, Paul basing what he's saying? Um, What is the therefore all about? What has Paul just talked about, in other words? How did he lead up to this?
4: Well, the first thing is, is he's no longer going to, they're no longer gonna see his face. So they need to step up and take be an example of what Paul has talked about from verse seventeen on, right? He, he, so that the the near context is
0: is uh, doing something about the fact that he's not there. However, at that point they 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 were elders, and he was uh, he was an apostle passing through. But I think what and he would, he was in though Paul was not uh, an elder in any local church, he he had obvious leadership within the the whole church, the church which is Christ's body. And Paul here is is saying and is appealing to them on the basis, of what his lifestyle has been, and and what his teaching style has been, and so uh, and so questions five and six are uh, what words in this passage uh, describe Paul's lifestyle or describe his
4: um, teaching style. Um, okay. Verse 18 says he was with you the whole time and he was in tears of in with tears and with great joy. Okay. And he held nothing back regarding the word
0: of God. I think that's a, that's a very good point because he doesn't just say that one time. He repeats it more than once. He says there that he holds nothing back. He also says up in, uh, 26 and 27 that uh, he is innocent of every man's blood, where he's not uh, shunned to declare the whole counsel of God. So there is something right there. What's his teaching style? His teaching style is talking about the whole counsel of God. He doesn't uh, have certain hobby horse that he teaches on, but he teaches the full counsel and, uh, so that, that is, is part of his example that, uh, he is wanting, uh, others to imitate. Other Ray, would you, you see?
3: Hi, Ray. Yes. Uh, would, would you, Matt here. Uh, maybe another add on to, uh, Brother Welsh's point here as, um, Paul served with humility, right? And, uh, He didn't, he wasn't concerned about his pedigree. There are many times Paul could have easily bragged about who he was and where he came from and how intelligent he was, but um, I think you see that in verse uh, maybe 18 through 21, right? About serving with humility and being with all the people, probably a key ingredient for most elders. It it is very,
0: it is, there's no doubt about that. It requires humility for men to work together, it requires a great feel less humility to um, work on your own. And uh, cooperating is, is something
4: that requires uh, uh, humility. He says he says in verse 20 that he taught publicly and from house to house. I'm going to take that house to house meaning privately or individual counseling, possibly. Yes. So different styles. He didn't have just one style of teaching, did he? So you don't go to church and be an elder on Sundays and stay at your house, binding your own business the rest of the week. Right, and, and it also is uh, the point that
0: an, a man may be an elder who does not have a great pulpit ministry. He he may his teaching his uh, teaching may be uh, in small groups. His teaching may be one on one. Uh, getting together with people and uh, and and going through the scriptures together in a small group or individually. Kurt, very good. Thank you, David. And the point I was trying to make there as well was that uh, it, that an elder is not uh, there's no requirement of an elder to be a great teacher. As a matter of fact, there is no place where it uh, talks about any specific gift being necessary to be an elder to teach. Apt to teach uh, doesn't necessarily mean that he has the gift of teaching, but he has some ability in that. And it may be in the pulpit, or it may be just, as uh, you're sitting over coffee and talking about problems, and he opens his Bible and says, "Let's look at these scriptures and how do they apply in your situation." Well, there's. I'll I'll run through some some words that I saw. That uh, the first. And most important thing I think is uh, in verse 19 the fact that Paul knew that he was serving the Lord, and every leader of the church has to have that top priority in mind that it, he is serving the Lord. Uh, we are, are not we're not in it to uh, to have position or or Prominence over other people, serving the Lord. Um, I think that uh, there's integrity and courage in uh, in here. And later on, Paul says that he is not covetous. He talks about the fact that he worked uh, to provide for himself and even for others, and that we should support the weak. So the, those are, I think lifestyle. Uh, lifestyle things that for every one of us, I think uh, we're uh, everyone there that is not retired or uh, uh, of a retirement age, you're probably going to be uh, holding down a job while you're working within the assembly. And that's part of what Paul did at times. Uh, and That has been called the tent maker uh, idea because Paul was a tent maker and he worked within his trade in order to provide for himself and even to provide for many times for his whole team.
1: So something I've actually talked with a few people about, I know right when we first came to Palms, uh, we were going over, uh, don't muzzle the ox and a few things like that. And we had a little discussion on elders receiving compensation. which is an interesting topic and, you know, can be highly. It is. Yes. It but
0: really is.
1: I think this is a great point in, in this. He held a job. He took care of himself. But the church at times helped him out when he needed. So yes. when it was costing him or he was at a detriment because of the service he was giving the church, the church helped him. So I, I would kind of make this as an argument as we don't need a paid position, quote unquote, but the Bible does provide for people to be compensated if they are in need for the work that they're doing for the church. So if an elder is driving. I mean, we've, we've got people in Buckeye to Chandler to, North Phoenix, for an elder to do the work and to visit homes, that's going to take a huge time commitment and cost and fuel and you know all of this. So you know, if an elder wasn't in a position where he had enough money to pay for that stuff, I think it's more than welcome for the church to you know help out in that burden a little.
0: Yes, and in in a biblical example, there there isn't much example of of. Uh, anything except that Paul was uh, supported at times by churches that he had been to previously, and they wanted him to be able to continue to work in new areas. And so they supported him. But I I don't think you can find an example of Paul actually being supported by uh, the church that he's working in, or the people of the town where he's working, although uh, he w- he was offered hospitality, he lived with uh, with different people at different times, and uh, those are the kinds of things that, that aid in uh, accomplishing the ministry.
1: Um, and I think we. Uh, right. Can I can I interrupt you before you move on? Yes. I wanted to know a uh, verse, and I got my, I got too many screens up, 20, sorry, 26, when he basically gives his disclaimer, why he's not responsible for the blood of anybody. Why, why, what is that? I'm just kind of curious. Well, okay,
0: but we were going to cover this in a little bit, but let, let's do it right now by turning to... Um, Ezekiel chapter 33. And if you've had a chance to look at that, uh, you may be getting the idea of where I'm going already. But Ezekiel chapter 33, in the first verses of that uh, chapter, uh, Ezekiel 33 starting at verse 1, again, the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring a sword upon the land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, uh, when he sees the sword coming upon them and and blows a trumpet and warns the people, then Whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take the trumpet, does not take the warning, if the sword comes upon, uh, comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound from the trumpet, then he did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he who, uh, but he who takes warning, warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are uh, not warned, and uh, then the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away from in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. And I think that Uh, We could go on there, but you get the idea that uh, personally, I believe that overseer is a bad translation and we really should have watchmen there. The elders are to be those who watch over the flock and they watch and they warn, and those those um, if you look at verse back in uh, Acts chapter twenty, you see in verse thirty one you see that uh, the words watching and warning are found there. Let's see in verse. Verse 31, therefore, watch. He's talking to the elders. He's talking to the overseers or watchmen, we could call them. And he's saying, uh, watch and remember for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul had been watching and warning. Therefore, their blood was not on on his hands because he had uh, given the he was what watching over them and giving the warning and I think that is something that is many times missed and and it, and that's why I made a question of it the, the question uh, uh, is number nine but the the importance of the of the Function of the leadership, to be watching over uh, the flock and warning the flock when things uh, are going
4: wrong. Hey, right? Yes. Think, I think, um, as Paul said, he declared the whole gospel to him. He didn't just go to them, preach the gospel, get them saved, and run off and leave them. He also mm-hmm. discipled them. He taught them how to live a godly life not just receive salvation. He gave them the whole package. Therefore, he gave them everything, and he's guilty of not withholding nothing. Therefore, if they choose to do something wrong or different or, or yeah. decide they don't want the Lord, that's on them, not on him. Now, of course, that's that's correct, David. And,
0: and also the, the important thing as well is that we need to have the right attitude when we're doing that. We can't be like the watchman who's saying, "Okay, I warned you. It's your fault. Bad on you, but not my fault." And uh, you know, we can, in a way, we can warn in that way that is hard to accept sometimes. Yeah. But when uh, when it speaks here about the watchman who is constantly watching, watchful, alert, vigilant in guarding the flock and warning the flock um, uh, there's a there's a there's a heart attitude there
2: Mm
0: -hmm. you know not not just a sterile going through the paces and performing that function Uh, that that watchman that watchman really cares about the flock and you know the our our good shepherd gave his life for the sheep, and those of us who would desire, by God's grace, to be under shepherds, should have that same attitude of you know we're we we may not give the ultimate sacrifice of our of our life's blood, and of course we can't. Uh, We can't save people, but we are going to make sacrifices, and there are going to be things in our lives that that we'll have to forego in order to uh, do all the things that would be required of a leader in the church.
6: So I have a question, I have a question slash comment, Um, um, and I'm going to have to go back a little bit in the conversation. From about five minutes ago, but <laughs> um, so over the years, I, in my experience, most of the time, uh, the elders I've known are, um, on most occasions, middle-aged to older. But then, on some, in some cases, I know of that there are elders that are a fair bit younger, like in their early thirties, even. And then, with a young family um, to take care of, um, I've discussed with a couple people. Should there, should they kind of know when, if they're doing it that young, should they know when they need to take a break to make sure that their family is cared for, and when they have reached the point where they can't, um, they've worn, they're kind of worn out in the position. Should they pass it on even then, or should it be for, is there, is there a time frame where you need to be an elder?
0: Uh, like how long? Well, the scriptures do not we can easily say that the scriptures do not tell us how long you have to be an elder and uh, if you uh, and if and uh, there are times when because of health for many reasons people may need to step down people move away uh, lots of reasons why they can't be elders anymore and your point is very valid, Danny, in that when a man sees that his family is suffering because of his uh, giving himself uh, to responsibilities within the church, then he, need, he needs to, um, the evaluation needs to be done very carefully. God ordained the family. Mm-hmm. So stepping
6: down isn't really, is not a bad thing. It's not a, no. it's, there isn't a time when it it uh, should happen specifically. Thank you. It just is Thank whatever you. works best. Yeah. That's true. Yeah.
0: And uh, there is no reason why somebody cannot step back in. Um, it may be that uh, my children are at an age when I need to spend a lot of time with them. And in 10 years, those same children may now be uh, able to handle a lot of responsibility on their own, and I'm able to get back into the work and, and give myself more to it. But you will also notice, and we'll get to this uh, in a week or so. That one of the um, one of the requirements uh, for an elder is that he has. Uh, managed his family well. And so even by definition there, if a man's family is suffering because he's in uh, leadership, he, he needs to step down and take care of his family. Because if he isn't taking care of his, you know, the biggest the biggest picture of the church, really, well, the one that's most prevalent, uh, we've just been talking about the flock but it's the family of God that we belong to. And that's the big picture of the church. We are a family and we are a family of love. And that's why elders absolutely have to have their their family being managed. Well, if they're going to be in a position of influence within the church, they certainly need to have, It needs to be seen that they have uh, influenced their family for good, and um, you'll you'll see that that is an important uh, an important qualification or requirement for an elder, and is in his relationship with his wife as well. I might add. Yes. I'm trying to be quiet for a minute to see if anybody's got a question there for me um
1: matt has a comment matt hebert
3: go ahead. i don't know i <laughs> i know ray yeah you nailed it so um and good question danny because we can all relate to uh, maybe knowing individuals or even falling into uh, and, and unintentionally into the trap of even in our own ministry or doing work for the lord where family takes a hit right yes. and um I'll never forget in personal life, a preacher telling me once, he said, Matt, like God gave you your wife. I was very busy downtown. And and he said, and your children, and that's number one. And don't let that take a hit where you're managing, you know, uh, maybe gospel work, but your family at home needs you too, right? And so unintentionally with a, with the desire to serve the Lord, we can fall into that. And um, even as elders, right, uh, where you're constantly tending and visiting families and visiting... And you put so much care and love for other families and you don't realize your own family is taking a hit. And some of us have young families and kids. Our kids need us. Right, guys. And um, it's very tough sometimes to answer Danny's question. I, I know a younger brother in, a, in assembly back in Illinois. He's an overseer or a shepherd or an elder. And uh, he does a great job at it. But with four kids, um, it's tough. Right. And uh, they really don't see him much, frankly. So we have to be careful with that.
0: And, uh, and it, that is, of course, one of the reasons why a plurality of elders is so important, because then the work can be divided up, and no one is overburdened. Uh, and and, the, and uh, more elders, of course, uh, help to do that. And then uh, the other thing is that elders need to learn to delegate, Yes. Uh, everything that they can and not try to do everything. Um, but that's another topic. Um,
6: yes. And providing too, that each one of the oversight or shepherds is actually shepherding the flock. So it doesn't fall all on one person as well. It's one of the yes. big things.
0: That's right. Yeah. You know, uh, I was on an elder board years ago, and we we had uh, we had just divided up people and uh, uh, went went through the directory and kind of divided things up, and and we and we had people that we were we we were to make visits every so so often, and I won't go through all the details, but that was one way that we did it, and and sort of a practical way. Um, the the elders knew that they had that responsibility for knowing the flock. And the, and the way to know them, of course, is to get together with them. And I could go and visit a family, and then at the next elder, elders meeting, report any issues that there might be there. Um, and, you know, it's it's an interesting thing, because as at the last couple of weeks, as Clay has talked about so many experiences that he's had with elders that have been, should we say, problem elders, and yet I have served with and known so many great elders, and and it would have trouble telling you of problems with elders. I, I just, there are so many great men out there doing the work. Uh, and and we certainly should be thankful for them. Um, I'm going to go to question seven. Uh, and Mark, uh, how does Mark 1 fifteen uh, relate to Acts chapter
4: 20 verse twenty one? I, I think what it first says is, you know repentance and faith have to go hand in hand to have faith in something that you don't know you need is kind of tough i mean how would you know you need a savior unless you've already repented of your sins um repentance comes first and it goes right along with faith um you have to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ could pay that price for the sins, but you have to know you were a sinner first. Okay. It, Good. Who,
0: who spoke the words in Mark 1.15? The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. And what he said there was uh, that uh, the time is, is fulfilled for the, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and Believe. And this is the same thing that uh, Paul incorporated into his ministry, two extremely important uh, concepts of his preaching style and what, and his message uh, that uh, he was getting across to people was the net necessity of repentance toward God and of uh, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, Repentance, of course, is literally uh, means uh, change your mind. You may think you're okay, but you're not okay. So change your mind about yourself. Admit, uh, confess, that is, and uh, is admitting the truth about yourself, and then um, by faith receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. So... I just put that in there to be clear that uh, leadership is in, involved in in uh, the truth of the gospel, and there is a reason why we we're, we're leading, why we would want to lead, why we why the church needs leaders uh, is so that uh, that the flock is evangelizing the world. That's what we're here for. Otherwise. Uh, If we were, many of us think probably we could be just translated to heaven as soon as we're saved, if we had no work to do in uh, seeing uh, seeing the unsafe come to Christ. Now I think we may have already gone over eight, but we'll just uh, make sure that we are clear on what does Paul mean when he writes, "Take heed in." Um 2028 uh, what does this tell us about the work of elders or overseers in the local church and uh, Dave Welsher, you had some different
4: translation there I'm, I'm, I'm reading the New American Standard it just says be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood Yeah, so that being
0: on guard is what uh, I'm talking about, or take heed to yourself and to the flock. We're on guard. Seems to be more than one thing. What is it saying?
4: We're on guard for whom? Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. Yes. If, if you yourself are not walking on the straight and narrow path how are you going to lead others on the straight and narrow path and you know Shepherd's job is is protection is, is very important yes feeding the flock is good but it doesn't do any good to fatten them up so the wolf can eat them uh, they're both
0: important aren't they yes that we can't we cannot just uh, boil down the uh the work of uh leader into one function only
4: it it seems to me in this verse i mean the lord jesus died to provide eternal life for us yes what more what what possibly could we guard with more zeal with more pressure with more awareness what's more precious than that right a false doctrine and false teaching, you, as we all know, just look around at the churches around you and and these various cults and other religions. False teaching has done so very much damage. A little bit of yeast goes a long way. And in in this uh,
0: and what as it goes on into the next few verses, it talks about the fact that the leadership can be um, mistaken. Uh, that can be a problem, one of the dangers. And another danger is, of course, if somebody within the assembly uh, begins to lead people astray with with a doctrine that isn't true and, and lead them away from the truth. And generally, uh, that also involves following them. And...
4: Uh... It's scary enough when someone from the we have to protect ourselves from someone from the outside coming in. It's really scary that we would have savage wolves sitting next to us in the pew or sitting a row behind us. you know but
0: the, but the reality of it is something that Paul could yeah. see was going to it was inevitable and uh, and we need to be alert and we need uh, to be constantly vigilant so that when we, when we begin to see it occur, we can deal with it.
2: Isn't that a, another point to knowing the flock? Yes. I, I think as, as we get to know people and we get to see their tendencies in different areas, it's going to give warnings. It's going to give early signs of maybe something that's not quite right. Maybe it's something like you're talking about the the truth of the gospel. You know, maybe there's something in their, in their gospel that's just a little bit off. And I think we can, as, as shepherds, they can see that and kind of uh, do like um, – uh, names are skipping me right now, but the couple in the New Testament that took uh, the Priscilla man, and Aquila. Yes, took Apollos aside and, and taught him the way more perfectly.
0: Mhm. And by
2: the way, ladies,
0: that is uh, an example of the way that um, that you can use your gifts, because it was a husband and wife team there. Yeah in their home, that we're able to um, work with Apollos and put him back on the right road. Um, Hey,
5: this is David. Yes. I relate relate this take heed to uh, the putting on the whole armor of God. Like the Boy Scouts in which I was trained, we were told to be prepared so the church the elders should be prepared for the next verse
4: previous wolves are going to come in yes it doesn't say they might come in it says they're going to come in
0: yes
1: do you want to we said we skipped nine we already did nine do you want to finish number ten and we're getting short on time
0: are we getting? Okay, I'm sorry, I haven't been watching the time. To whom and to what does Paul commend the elders from Ephesus? And uh, how does this connect to uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 4? Uh, so the, the verse of them.
2: Does anybody want to answer that, or do you need a hint?
0: That's verse 32. Chapter 20, verse 32. The grace of God. We're committing people to the grace of God and to his word. Is it not right? To God and to His Word. Now, as we look at uh, Acts chapter six, what do we see there? Does anybody? Do we need to go to that uh, to that chapter? That's the chapter in which the apostles uh, um, were. There weren't really elders that that were working at that point, but the elders were leading the early church, and there were. Um, there were uh, Greek-speaking or perhaps non, um, non-Judean uh, Christians uh, who were being ignored in, uh, and so the elder, the not the elders, but the uh, apostles at that point then said that it is not uh, appropriate not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And then uh, after uh, they said they gave the instruction then to seek from among you the uh, men who were appointed to do that work, they delegated and he said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They were praying to God, of course, and, uh, so the the connection that i see there is that the elders and the, the leaders of the church need to keep their priorities straight and delegate any kind of thing that they can to someone else that can handle that responsibility and notice they did they delegated it to spiritual men men who were filled with the holy spirit men who had a good reputation uh, they didn't just delegate it to anybody, any warm body that they could find, but those things were delegated because they had to keep their priorities straight. And Paul was commending them to the grace of God and to God's word, the word of God's grace, in uh, the word that was uh, able. Um, Uh, the word that was able to build you up, to edify, and to give an in inheritance among those who are sanctified. Um, questions: Have we gone over something too fast, or have we have we used up all of our time? on looking. Oh yeah, we're, our time is our time is gone, isn't it, Matt? Um, We will look forward to starting then on some of the qualifications uh, next week, talking about the qualifications. We've been talking so far about the functions and the work of an elder, what an elder does, and also um, much about his character and uh, lifestyle, lifestyle and work.
1: Are you going to be leading the next session, Ray?
0: You know, I'm not sure. I think the next sec- section, if I look at my, no, uh, I think Clay has the next section and we'll be looking at First Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 at those qualifications that are there. And then after that, I'm not sure how far we'll get through that. And then... Uh, and then I'll take the section in Titus where it uh, has slightly different qualifications, but many of the same things.
1: I don't know if any if everybody saw it, but uh, just before we close, uh, Matt Hebert left a message on the chat. Shad Sluter, so it's Shad and Cynthia. They've joined us a couple of times uh, on Zoom. They're here in Phoenix, but their daughter was tested for COVID and it was positive. And actually she's being taken to the ER because she's having a hard time breathing. So um, please keep them in your prayers.
0: And her first name again?
1: Christy. 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 Uh, I think she's like 20.
6: They were the one of the couples that were going to come on Sunday, as far as I know.
5: So um, I did
1: update on her as well. And I guess she is doing okay right now. She's like stable and breathing. Okay. But she is in the ER. So,
0: Okay. Thank you, Emily. Let's pray father. We, um, we thank you for what we've studied this evening. Thank you for the fact that we are not left to our own devices but we have both your word and your spirit to help us as we look into this area of leadership within the church. So we thank you for for the time that we've had looking at that topic, and we we pray for Christy right now. We ask that, Father, you uh, would give the doctors wisdom in doing just the right thing for her at this time. We pray that uh, above and beyond anything that they can do that you would uh, preserve her life, that you would protect and, and, and help that her illness will resolve quickly and without uh, any um, hanging on results. and we just pray that you would that you would do that for her, for the family. We pray that you'd give the family your peace as only you can give when faced with uh, crises such as this. So we pray that you would help them. And uh, we pray, too, that somehow they would be able to um, not be um, kept separate from their their daughter. Um, We just, we pray that uh, you would work in all of these things in
2: Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
4: Ray, thank you very much, buddy. We
2: really appreciate what you